is Wednesday, January 24th. I'm Scott Seidenberg. And I'm A.J. Hoffman. New Hall of Famers in baseball. And a new coach in Milwaukee. Here comes the Vegas truth. This is Straight out of Vegas. We are straight out of Vegas AM, your daily destination for sports conversation with a Vegas lean. Here's what you need to know to start your day. Baseball's Hall of Fame gains three new members. The Eagles getting rid of more assistant coaches. And the Bucks fire their head coach in talks with Doc. What is the Vegas lead here, Scott? Well, let's specify the Milwaukee Bucks, not the Tampa Bay Bucks, because I don't think Doc Rivers is taking over for Todd Bowles. But who would do better? But I mean, I don't don't know. Doc might call timeout there at the end. You never know. Let's talk about Championship Sunday days away as we continue to count down to the AFC and NFC title games. Your current spreads up on the DraftKings Sportsbook. The Ravens, three and a half point favorites over the Chiefs with a total of 44 and a half. And the 49ers, a seven point favorite over the Lions, total of 51. Now, in thinking about these games, as we, you know, every day I'm starting to think about new angles and ways to attack these games. And we're going to have a massive breakdown tonight when we record the Dream Pod and go over both of these games ad nauseum. But I started to think about player props, AJ. And I got a couple that are intriguing, some maybe basic themes when it comes to betting the player props in these games. But anyone stand out to you? Let's start with the AFC title game because that's the one that kicks off first between the Chiefs and the Ravens. Any player props that you're looking to target? My thought is that this is going to be a, first of all, I think it's going to be a a higher scoring game. But I think this is going to be a Lamar does it with his legs type of game. I don't think you're going to see him throwing the ball a lot. I think the Ravens are going to do what they've done best. I think the, the Ravens probably saw what the Bills did last week. And they were able to, at least in the first half, really run the ball down Kansas City's throat. Uh, I think the Ravens come with the same approach. I think the Ravens say, listen, we're going to uh, we're going to try and push it on the ground. And I I think maybe like a Lamar passing under or a Lamar rushing over would be the ways to look. Generally, I think especially when you get these big standalone games, the Mm -hmm. unders tend to be sharper. Um, so maybe it's, maybe it's better to play the, the yards passing yards under than the rushing yards over. But I, I think we saw, listen, the, the, the Texans were, I mean, they're a, a pretty good run defense and they couldn't hold Lamar on the ground. I, I think what Lamar is going to try to do is try to get a lead and then play Lamar ball and, and run, 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 run. Well, the last time these two teams played against each other was back in 2021. It was uh, week two that year and the Ravens won 36 35 and in that game Lamar threw for 239 yards a touchdown and two interceptions but he rushed for 107 yards and two touchdowns now this Chiefs defense is different much different than it was uh, back then but Mahomes threw for 343 yards three touchdowns and an interception in that game. Travis Kelsey was the big receiver. He had seven catches for 109 yards. Hollywood Brown 
was the big receiver for the Ravens back then. Six catches, 113 yards, and a touchdown. I, I think you're just you're you're going to get juiced too heavily when you're looking at a Lamar rushing over because that's what everybody yeah. is just looking to bet. I mean, right now you're looking at Lamar Jackson, 64 and a half yards. Does that number do anything for you? I think it's a big number. That, that's why I think what's what's the number on his passing? Because I, I think what I'm gonna, I think I'm going to be probably happier looking at a, uh, a a passing under than a rushing over. Two hundred and ten and a half. I think that might be the way I'd look. Yeah, I, I think that's a fair number. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I think I'd look at under two hundred ten and a half yards. He threw for just one hundred and fifty two yards against the Texans in the uh, divisional round of the playoffs. So yep, ran for a hundred. <laughs> yes. And, and yeah, he did, still threw for two touchdowns. He, he ran for two touchdowns, but he only threw for 152 yards, 16 of 22. He was, uh, that was his completion. So I'm trying to look at maybe Lamar completions. It's at 19 and a half, maybe under Lamar completions. Maybe so. Maybe so. I, I honestly, I'd, I like that yardage number. I'll, I'll say another prop that I think I'm going to like in this game. And I know as we record here on Wednesday morning, uh, at least most books don't have them available. Once Mark Andrews is announced in, if Mark Andrews is announced in, I'm probably going to like under whatever his receiving yards number is, because I, I think the first thing people think, well, his best weapons back. Lamar's going to go to all reliable mm -hmm. and I'm not sure that'll be the case. Uh, the, the thing that does worry me a little is that we saw Dalton Kincaid have himself a game last week against, uh, against Kansas city. And almost, it was almost confusing when Buffalo would take him off the field because he was having so much success. Yeah. So maybe you can, maybe you can see him having, you know, having some, but again, Baltimore's offense is just so different. Uh, I, I, I do think that they're, depending on what the number is, I, I think if you get a number that's in the fifties or higher, I think the under is the way to go. I, I think they're going to be slow to work him back in. Uh, and I, I don't think he's going to see a full workload. Well, one player I do like, even Mark Andrews out, obviously you like him more, but even if Mark Andrews is in, Isaiah Likely has been just such a good target for Lamar Jackson, and the ability to just throw the ball up to him and having a jump ball in the end zone like he caught last week. He only had two catches last week, but he still scored that touchdown, and he's been a, a huge target for Lamar Jackson. So with or without uh, uh, Mark Andrews. And maybe if Mark Andrews plays, you get a really good number on Isaiah Likely because I was like, say, people don't bet any likely props now. Wait until yeah, wait. those Andrews numbers put up. Yeah, because if Andrews plays, then it's like Likely's, you know, uh, last week his total was 36 and a half, I think it was, and he only had 34 yards on two catches. So yeah. Still, two, two catches for 34 yards is pretty darn good. And he had a touchdown. But let's say Mark Andrews plays, what's his prop going to be? 16 yards you know 15 yards something like that and so uh, i think that that's a good play uh, right now there's nothing up on likely or andrews obviously we're waiting to see the injury report for the ravens one final note on patrick mahomes in his career against the baltimore ravens he is three and one that one loss being the game that i just talked about in 2021 in every game he has thrown for over 300 yards against the Ravens, 377, 374, 385, and 343. Mahomes' passing yardage prop is at 240 and a half. Oh, wow. Well, I, I mean, I think we all agree this year is a different Patrick Mahomes than what it's been in the past. But sure. 
we saw last week, though, I mean, Patrick Mahomes, like the, the Chiefs offense that had been kind of dormant all season long, sure seemed to find a rhythm uh, against against Buffalo. And I don't know if that says more about Buffalo, uh, but certainly Patrick Mahomes last week, e- even in a game where it felt like Patrick Mahomes played well, only 215 passing yards. So mm-hmm. uh, I- I'm nervous about that number. I-, I get what you're saying. The history says that he goes over in these games, but Patrick Mahomes this season has not been a, a guy who's put up big yardage. He just hasn't. Yeah. Uh, let's take a look at the NFC title game. Cause I think this one's pretty interesting and it all depends on whether or not Debo Samuel plays. Sure. So if Debo does not play, let's take a look at who could be the beneficiary for the San Francisco 49ers in the two games that he did not play, plus the game that he left early, which was the Cleveland game, here are the stat lines for Brandon Ayuk. In that Cleveland game, Ayuk was four four catches for 76 yards on 10 targets. In the Vikings game the following week, five catches for 57 yards on six targets. And in the Bengals game the week after, five catches for 109 yards on nine targets. Right now, Brandon Ayuk, has a receiving yardage prop of 80 and a half. Your thoughts? Yeah, my my thoughts are I, I sort of want to wait and see what happens with Debo. Like if Debo's an, if Debo's going to play, well, no, we let's just, play some we're, huge... we're, we're assuming that Debo's out right now cuz I think if Debo okay. is in, if Debo's in these numbers go down. There's no way Brandon Ayuk's numbers is, is 80 and a half if Debo Samuel's playing. And just doesn't, like, it just doesn't make sense. So when the 49ers said Debo's 50-50, you're assuming that they that that's not true, or are you just assuming for the sake of this exercise, let's let's say he's out. I think I I think 50-50 means out. <laughs> okay. I think that they're just trying to you know uh have optimism or make the for, make the Lions game plan for him, but he didn't come back in that game last week, you know, to have the tests on the shoulder, to call him 50-50. I don't know if they're going to have Debo this week. I really don't. So let's just say that he's not there. Okay. Uh, if that's the case, then I'm, I'm probably more interested in his receptions more than his yards, uh, because I do think if he's not in there, you're going to see a more conservative game plan from the 49ers, because I think Brock Purdy is just not as comfortable uh, in the 49ers offense when Debo's not out there. In fact, it may push me from betting overs on 49ers players, period, because we've seen how this offense isn't exactly uh, a juggernaut when Debo's not on the field. So it makes me nervous to bet anybody over. I don't want to bet Christian McCaffrey over because Detroit typically this season, the best thing about Detroit football this season is they've been great against the run. Now they were, they weren't great last week against Tampa. Tampa actually ran the ball pretty well, like six yards of carry on them. Uh, but I, I think that they're going to prioritize trying to take away Christian McCaffrey. Maybe if, if I had to pick a player on this offense to look at it, it an over on, it would probably be George Kittle. I'd probably find a way that I think Brock Purdy uses him as sort of a security blanket, uh, gets him heavily involved, especially if we think Debo's out. Okay, so first off that Ayuk reception number is five and a half, and the over is plus 124. The under is minus 160. Let's look at George Kittle. In the game against uh, Minnesota, the first game without um, Debo Samuel, he had five catches for 78 yards on seven targets. And in the Cincinnati game the following week, he had nine catches for 149 yards on 11 targets. 
And last week when Debo left the game against the Packers, Kittle had four catches for 81 yards and a touchdown on seven targets. So Kittle right now has a reception prop of four and a half with the over at plus 110. Kittle's yardage prop is at 60 and a half. I think I like the receptions prop because, like I said, I, I do think it becomes a conservative game plan. I don't think they're going to be trying to take big shots down the field. Now, I know Kittle's more of a yards after catch guy anyway, but I, I think with, with Debo out, that that's who they're going to target most often in the passing game. And if, if the targets are there, I think he catches five footballs. Now, Jennings, Jawan Jennings could also be the beneficiary. Last week, he went off five <laughs> catches for 61 yards on six catches after Debo left the game against the Packers. But in the uh, games without him, there was really only one full game because he didn't play also against the Bengals. But against the Vikings, Jawan Jennings, five for 54 on nine targets. Uh, Jennings right now does not have any uh, props up for his uh, yardage. Um, or his reception. So we'll see if that becomes available later on in the week. But if Debo plays, this changes everything. We're just, for the sake of this discussion, we're going off the assumption that Debo does not play. And I think you're right. I think maybe Kittle and the reception prop is more enticing than Brandon Ayuk. Because I think the public just automatically assumes that it's going to be Brandon Ayuk that's the beneficiary, right? I think you're right. Uh, or, one or, thing, or Christian AJ, McCaffrey. Or but they the say, one, well, they'll just run the ball. But I, I, I think true. it's harder to run against this team than you think. But the one thing that gives me hesitation is, remember the stat that I talked about last week when looking at Mike Evans and and uh, and Baker Mayfield overs, is that the Lions have been torched in the secondary for the past now five games. And yeah. the, the number one wide receiver has gone off against them in every single one of those games. So uh, I'll give you the exact numbers here. I mean, we have to go back to the first time when they played the Vikings and Nick Mullins was the quarterback. He threw for 411 yards. Justin Jefferson had six catches, 141 yards, and a touchdown. The next week against the Cowboys, Dak Prescott threw for 345 yards. C.D. Lamb had 13 catches for 227 yards and a touchdown. They played the Vikings again. Nick Mullins threw for 396 yards, and J.J. went off again. 12 catches, 192 yards, and a touchdown. In the game against the Rams, Matthew Stafford threw for 367 yards. Puka Nakua, nine catches, 181 yards, and a touchdown. And then last week against the Bucks, Baker Mayfield you know, had himself a game. He threw for 349 yards. And Mike Evans, the number one receiver, eight catches, 147 yards, and a touchdown. So that would lead me to believe that it's going to be a Brock Purdy overpassing game. And if it's not Debo, Ayuk going off. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. I, I, but is is Ayuk the perceived number one guy when Debo I mean I guess Ayuk led the team in receiving so I guess yeah, that's a guy I mean, they probably he, look he, as their number he could one be the, he's like the number one even with Debo on the field because Debo yeah. is just because Debo could be a runner as well and they line him up in the backfield and do all sort of exotic plays with Debo Samuel I mean Ayuk is the true number one receiver so uh I think it's it's tough 80 and a half is a big number but I mean uh, just reading those stats again it's like I'm convincing myself that Ayuk's gonna go over well, let's take a look at the let's take a look at the other side of the ball because what we've seen the last couple games is the 49ers defensively 
uh, are not as good as everybody talks about them being, or not as good as the perception is, I think, particularly against the run. Uh, I mean, Aaron Jones ran for over 100 yards on this team. I, I think that Jameer Gibbs may be in for a day. Uh, I'd be interested in his rushing prop and his rushing plus receiving prop. So his rushing yardage prop right now is 47 and a half, and that's compared to his teammate David Montgomery, who's 43 and a half. So Gibbs with a larger uh, prop there. And rushing plus receiving, Jameer Gibbs 75 and a half. Okay. It's interesting. Yeah, I it may be rushing for me. I, I've got to look at look more at some splits and uh and, and make that decision, like how, who's getting more carries and in what situations. Cause I, I do think for the most part, this game, especially if Debo plays, if we're still operating under that assumption, mm-hmm. I, I think this game is closer than people think it will be. Like I, I I think the Niners have a hard time blowing this team out if they don't have Debo on the field. So I think you could see a lot, a pretty heavy dose of the run uh, from the Lions, which is exactly what we saw last week in a competitive game. Packers stuck with the run and, yep. uh, and you know, it, it had some success. Last week, Gibbs with 74 rushing yards and 40 receiving yards in the wild card game against the Rams. He had just 25 rushing yards, but 43 receiving yards. And then uh, at the end of the season, um, 30 rushing yards against Minnesota in the final game, no receiving yards. Against Dallas, 43 rushing yards, no receiving yards. Strange. Against Minnesota, 80 rushing yards, 20 receiving yards. So it's it's interesting to see. I, I think I, I'm going to want to... I think I'm going to like the the over yardage more than the uh, the rushing okay. yardage more than the the combined. I, I think what you're telling me here is like the the pass part is on and off, and yeah, with with this Niners defense, I think the the way to take advantage of them is on the ground. So I, I think that's the way I would look. All right, we'll have plenty more breakdown of both of these games coming out uh, for our next couple of shows here after we record the Dream Pod later on tonight of course and you can find that on rj bell's dream preview podcast feed uh, let's talk some news and notes in the nfl the raiders are hiring former chargers executive tom telesco as their new general manager so thoughts on the raiders uh getting the guy that drafted justin herbert well, I mean, listen, uh, Tom Telesco, he's, he's put together a real winner out there uh, in L.A. So, uh, no, he, I mean, listen, he is the he's the guy who drafted Herbert. He's the guy who drafted Keenan Allen, Joey Bosa, Derwin James. Like, he, he's, he found some great guy. He remembered the trade for Khalil Mack. Uh, there's been some, you know, there, there's been some moves. But uh, he's also the guy who signed J.C. Jackson to a huge deal, and that didn't necessarily pay off. So, uh, there's ups and downs with him. I don't know that that's the kind of guy that I'm, I'm looking at and going, yeah, this guy's really, he's done it. He's built a winner that worries me some. Uh, but obviously the guy is a, a pretty, pretty damn good talent scout. So when it comes to drafting, he, he seems to be able to find the, uh, the hidden gems. Yeah. I mean, drafted Joey Bosa, Hunter Henry, Mike Williams, Derwin James, Keenan Allen, like he had a, and, and then yes, Justin Herbert, some would say that Justin Herbert was just the next quarterback available after uh Burrow and Tua went off the board, but those are still some pretty big names that he wound up uh, drafting, uh, you know, the, the Quentin Johnson pick aside is probably yeah. the worst pick in his tenure, but uh, interesting hire there for the Raiders uh, elsewhere. The Eagles part ways with another assistant coach, Brian Johnson, the offensive coordinator, is now out of a job. The Eagles do have a press conference scheduled for today 
with head coach Nick Sirianni. So it is the assumption that Sirianni will be back. Um, so, you know, him and Howie Roseman are going to speak to the media today. We'll find out more about what's going on in Philly. But let's let's think about this now. Both coordinators are out. This will now be the, the second consecutive year, or I guess the third year, with different coordinators. The Super Bowl run last year, they had Gannon and, and Steichen. Gannon and Steichen get head coaching jobs. They replace them. The Eagles now have two new coordinators this year. This year started off great. Obviously, it didn't end well. Yeah. Now, next year, two more coordinators. I don't like that instability with an organization. That no. just doesn't – it rubs me the wrong way. I mean, it's it's just not – there's not enough sample size to know what if something's working or not. And, it, I mean, if, you're, if you, your trigger's that quick – I mean, how are you ever going to let guys develop? And let's face it, Jalen Hurts is still a young guy, still developing. Mm -hmm. And I've talked about it before with with some of these other quarterbacks. I don't love the idea of having a, a young quarterback switch offensive coordinators every year. Uh, it, you know, it stunted Justin Herbert. It stunted Trevor Lawrence. There's talk about the, the Texans losing their guy in Bobby Slowick, and I think it'd be bad for C.J. Stroud. I, but I think if you're doing it voluntarily – I mean, you better think this guy's just no good. And if he's no good, okay, I get it. But I, I, I really think this is Sirianni just trying to cover his ass. Like, I think Sirianni is – there's a little bit of exposure there for saying, like, you lost this defensive core and your, your defense sucks. You lost this OC, your offense sucks. What, what are we doing here? Or How good are you is the question. And, I mean, it, it's crazy that – this was like one of the hottest names in in coaching circles coming into last or into this season, and if he has another year like this, he's gone. Like you can't fire your OC in mm -hmm. DC next year. It's it's you, which is why I think that whoever they hire as the DC or OC, it's going to be a guy with head coaching experience, because if if things don't go their way. You know, whoever the whatever coordinator is good that's going to take over is going to be the head coach because otherwise now you're scrapping plans for another year, right? You're firing coordinators the next year. So, like, let's say hypothetically speaking, Ron Rivera. Now, I think Ron Rivera would make a great defensive coordinator, but I don't think they would make him the head coach if they fired Nick Sirianni. No. But that's just the, that's the first name that you know maybe better better name is Frank Reich. Okay. Let's say they bring in Frank Reich as the offensive coordinator, and then they decide to fire Nick Sirianni at some point. It seem, it would seem like a nice transition for Frank Reich to take over as the head coach, and then it's probably likely that Reich then gets the job moving forward, and you can work with some sort of stability as opposed to hiring two now first-time coordinators again or just regular coordinators. And then if you fire Sirianni, now it's going to be another year with another new OC and a new DC, and it's just a disaster for this team as far as it develop developmentally. No, I agree. But the, the problem is, like, I mean, you had Matt Patricia on staff this year, and that's a guy who had that head coaching experience. Now, you know, you can talk what you want about if he was a success yeah. or not as a head coach, but uh, usually guys who have had success as head coach aren't just sitting around waiting to be hired as a DC. Uh, yeah. I mean, Ron Rivera, Frank Reich are two names you mentioned. Guys who their, their success as a head coach has been at best middling. Uh, so I, I'm not sure where they go next. I think you're right. I think they will hire someone who has some sort of like um, 
has some sort of pedigree, uh, you know, and I, I mean, most of these guys from last year were, were uh, promoted from within, you know, when, it, when they lost Steichen, this, this Johnson is the guy who like moved up mm-hmm. and took the job. So yep. I do think they're certainly going to go outside the organization, which usually means they're going to have someone with some experience. One final NFL nugget, the officiating crew for the Super Bowl has been announced. Bill Vinovich will be the lead referee. It's his third Super Bowl assignment, the second in the last five years. And Vinovich's regular season crew, uh, close to the fewest flags per game in 2023 this season, averaged 13.4 flags per game, seventh fewest in the league. Uh, It's not his entire crew. Obviously, it's like an all-star crew. Uh, He'll be the lead official. Um and so that's, uh, yeah, you know, his uh, uh, other guys that are on his staff, um, Mark Perlman, the line judge, Tom Hill, the field judge, and Mike Chase, the replay official, have all previously worked Super Bowls. So good officiating crew, veteran officiating crew. And I'm sure as we get closer to the Super Bowl, we'll break down exactly how many flags Vinovich's crews uh, call throughout <laughs> his career. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. How's your social battery right now, AJ? I know sometimes I get drained and it could be easy to ignore your social battery and just spread yourself too thin, you know, especially when it comes to social gatherings and maybe just things you're not in the mood for. Well, do you know the right amount of socializing you need to do to keep yourself balanced? Therapy can give you that self-awareness and you can build basically your routine that reflects what you need personally. Everybody's different in this way. That was a big driver for me when I was in therapy. I got a lot out of it, and it's so easy here. Give BetterHelp a try if you've said, I don't want to go out of my way to do this. It's all online. It's as convenient as can be, and it's suited to you. It's simple. Just fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch at any time. For no additional charge, find your social sweet spot with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Vegas today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Vegas. AJ, it's important to me that the supplements that I take every single day are of the highest quality. And that's why ever since they jumped the board as a sponsor with us, I've been drinking AG1 because for AG1, quality isn't just a buzzword. AG1's ingredients are heavily researched for efficacy and quality, and I love that every scoop has prebiotics, probiotics, digestive enzymes for my gut support, B vitamins for energy. It's got the magnesium and ashwagandha for stress support, also testosterone support, vitamin C and zinc to support my immune system. I don't get sick anymore. Well, you're welcome for introducing you to AG1. Yeah, bud. Uh, I mean, this stuff is incredible. And so many people have asked me, are you just reading commercials? No, man. AG1 is actually legit. And there's a reason why I drink it every single day. It just makes taking care of my health so much easier in general. So if you want to replace your multivitamin and more, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 plus K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first subscription at drinkag1.com slash SOV. That's drinkag1.com slash SOV. Check it out. Big news in the NBA, somewhat surprising news in the NBA is the Bucks have fired their head coach, Adrian Griffin, after 43 games, despite the fact that if you look at the Eastern Conference standings, the Bucks are the number two seed right now at 30 and 13. <laughs> now, 
does this feel like to you, AJ? Because the first thing that I thought of was when the Cavs fired David Blatt after, you know, a 30 and 11 record and going to the NBA finals the season before. I mean, yeah, it's it's, it's very similar. Um, and I think that, like, it's easy to say, well, look, the Bucks are, and the Bucks aren't as good defensively as they were a year ago. How much of that is Mike Budenholzer's gone? How much of that is you lost Drew Holiday, who's a pretty key guy? Um, I, I'm not really sure. The, the question to me is, do you think that, uh, and I guess the guys in, in this front office know better than what, what you and I would know, but they must have looked at it and said, we don't think this guy is going to have championship upside. And the truth is, they have a team right now that is uh, obviously one, one of the top contenders in the NBA, and it's not always best to have a... Um, a, a young sailor captaining the ship when you have a ship like that. So um, it, it's, it's almost like a 16 year old learning to drive in a, in, in his dad's Ferrari. Yeah. It's, it's not ideal. So I, I think they're saying, Hey, we need someone who's got a little more experience, uh, a, a little more oomph to him uh, who can uh, got, got more. He's more accomplished. And if they thought there was someone available, then that's what they went to. And now they, they promoted Joe Prunty to, to interim coach, which is the third time in his career he's been uh, promoted to, to head coach as, a, you know, as an interim coach, including when the Bucks fired Jason Kidd uh, several years ago. He was the guy that they called up to, to finish the season then. But my assumption is they've already been in talks, and it sounds like with Doc Rivers as, as their guy who's been working at ESPN. Um, but it seems like that's who, they, that's who they've targeted. And it's a guy who's got what twenty something years of head coaching experience. He he won a championship, and they they're looking at him as the guy who can get them to the next level. Getting to the second round of the playoffs isn't their goal. They're looking to get all the way again, and uh, they they feel like maybe that that's what gives them the best chance to do it. Yeah, and it was interesting yesterday. You had Shams with one report, Woj with another report, but both of them it looks like it's going to be Doc Rivers, and I wouldn't be surprised if Doc Rivers becomes the next head coach of the Milwaukee Bucks. And and sometimes these decisions are are made by the higher ups. And other times this is a player. It could be a player driven decision. I mean, that's what it was. I, I brought up David Blatt, but that's what it was. The, the LeBron wanted Ty Lue. Yep. And you know what? Ty Lue became the coach. So maybe if, uh, if Giannis did not like playing for Griffin, you know, maybe Giannis gets his way and, and could be uh, Doc Rivers becoming the next head coach. I think you're saying maybe, but I, I think it's pretty obvious that the, yes. the Bucks aren't making any decisions without Giannis putting his touch yes. on it. Clearly. And probably Dame uh, Lillard, else, for that matter. Yeah, good point. Elsewhere last night, a, a wild uh, finish there to the Blazers game. Uh, 111-109 loss to the Thunder that is resulting in them protesting? What did you see in this finish, AJ? Yeah, so the Blazers had a one-point lead, and Chauncey Billups called timeout. And they the whistle blew, and you thought that they were g- granting the timeout, but instead they called a double dribble on Malcolm Brogdon with about 15 seconds left in the game. Mm. And then, of course, Chauncey Billups loses his cool. He gets a couple technical fouls. Uh, he's ejected, and the the basically the ensuing free throws give Oklahoma City a 111-109 win. And Chauncey Billups feels like, you know, referees are are um, are 
supposed to be ready for that. They, they basically mm-hmm. said that, you know, they they know when you've got timeouts, that's when you're going to call them. He's like, you know, it's a, it's a game that we should have won and it's a frustrating situation, but um, yeah, the, the crew chief said that Billups did not get granted a timeout because the referee was focused on the play and it was difficult for him to see Chauncey Billups, which is, I mean, know the situation guy, you know? Yeah. So it, it's, it's tough, but um, yeah. uh, Portland, who's had a rough season, we knew they were going to have a rough season. Uh, it, this, this is uh, another game that, that they dropped that it's like, man, I, I mean, honestly, at this point, I, I mean, I know you can't think like this, but it, at the end of the year, you're probably going to wish that you didn't have that win because you're going to be hoping for a better draft yeah. position. So, but yep. it, listen, it, this is something the league rarely does is, um, is like honor these protests it's just not something that's, that's typically upheld no, they'll so. just they'll, they'll 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 release that two minute report and they'll say our bad yeah <laughs> that's, that's, what they, that's what's but gonna come out later on today if if they do there would be i guess these two teams play again later in the season be march 6th it looks like in portland uh presumably if they decide to honor it then we would start that game 109-108 with 15.1 seconds left and go from there. So uh, it'll, it's, it, <laughs> could it you looks... imagine then? Could, could you imagine if then that goes into overtime oh, and then gosh. they still have to play and then they still have to play a regular game? How crazy would that be? <laughs> I feel like if it comes down to that, the coaches make a decision where it's like, all right, dude, just 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 turn the ball over or something like that. I don't know. What's that crazy? Would be crazy. That this ha- I, I don't know how many times in NBA history there's been these like uh, these protests have been upheld, but w- there was a game back like you know years and years ago uh, when Shaq played for Miami that they said he was fouled out of a game that he wasn't fouled out of, and there was like a minute or two left, and they had to replay that game starting at whatever time it was at, but by the time that they by the time that they replayed the game, Shaq had been traded to the Phoenix Suns, so Shaq wasn't even on the team anymore. So it was like a, <laughs> a really awkward situation. But it, I mean, it was the right ruling. It was they they said, "Oh well, that was uh, you, you, you're right. He was supposed to still be in the game, but he wasn't there to play the uh, the remainder of it." So uh, funny how that works out. But yeah, I, I I'm always interested in that. I'd I'd like to see the you know I'd like to see them say, "Okay, that didn't count." We're redoing these last 51 seconds. It'd be fun to watch that. Like say, just see just a 15 second game or whatever it is. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I'd, I'd be up for what I'd tune in to watch that 15 seconds between Portland and Oklahoma city. Even that there's no other reason on earth to do it other than that. So if they do it, I'll, I'm in for it. Yeah. So that was the, the heat and the Hawks had to replay the final uh, 51.3 seconds to that game. And, um, they didn't score a point and, <laughs> and they, the game giant was, waste of time. They they won without scoring a point, so the Hawks actually got the win. Now, there you go. Well, they should have. Uh, they should have kept Shaq. <laughs> yes, yeah. Uh, there was, yeah. There was. Um, th- that seems to be. A, I'm trying to look up the history here of uh, replayed games. That seems to be the last time there was a game replayed. Um, then there's a bunch of the most recent uh, protest that was failed was last March. The Mavericks and Warriors. And uh, there was an odd call that allowed the Warriors to get that uncontested layup. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. Mark yep. Cuban was complaining. Yeah. And uh, that protest was uh, a failed 
protest. So there you have it. Uh, that would be fun. I would love to see the, a continuation of the 15 seconds. That would be fun to watch. Elsewhere last night, Jokic with the triple-double, 31 points, 13 boards, and 10 assists. You probably saw what Embiid did and was like, you know what? My only path to winning the MVP is just get triple-doubles every single game. So uh, yeah, 31, 13, and 10 as the Nuggets beat the Pacers, 114-109. Knicks beat the Nets, 108-103. Julius Randle with 30 points. Uh, Michael Bridges in the loss, 36 points. I saw this crazy stat, It's um, and, and I wanted to, to talk to you about it because we had talked about how good the Knicks have been since acquiring OG Ananobi. Mm-hmm. And check this out. Now, this was prior to to last night's game. But since acquiring OG Ananobi, the Knicks have the second best winning percentage in the NBA. They have the second best defensive rating in the NBA as well. They went from 20th to second. In defensive rebounds, they are first in the league. In rim protection, they went from 20th to third. Their net rating went from 1.8 to 13.6. Their opponent's effective field goal percentage, they ranked 24th in the league. Now they rank second. And their blocks went from 3.3 to 5.2. This guy is having a massive effect on the Knicks. They are 10-2 and two since acquiring OG Ananobi. Think about that. Yeah, pretty strong. Pretty strong showing. Uh, the Clippers beat the Lakers 127-116. Kawhi with a triple-double, 25 points, 11 boards, and 10 dimes. And the Pelicans beat the Jazz 153 124 cj mccollum had 33 points let's take a look at the schedule for tonight you have the hornets at the pistons aj detroit's a three and a half point favorite you can't bet the pistons is a three and a half point favorite it's it's against the rules okay uh timberwolves are at the wizards minnesota laying ten and a half grizzlies at the heat miami a nine and a half point favorite trade going down yesterday as uh miami getting scary terry Terry Rozier in a deal that sends uh, Kyle Lowry on the move. I mean, these are two guys. It feels like both those guys have been in the league for like 100 years. <laughs> I, it, it, I, I looked up Terry Rozier when I saw this. Terry Rozier is not even 30 years old. I'm like, well, that can't be right. I feel like he's been in the league since like 2010. But it, it's, it's just not the case. He was uh, – it, it, it hasn't been that long. So he's a guy that I thought of as a someone who was just – forever uh you know in in the nba and you know it's been he got drafted in 2015 so mm-hmm. not not that long ago so he feels a lot older than he is yeah well kyle lowry's been in the league forever no. oh yeah kyle lowry's <laughs> been in the league forever yeah kyle lowry's trying to like do you know pull a lebron um elsewhere tonight the blazers are at the rockets houston nine and a half point favorites Cavs are at the bucks milwaukee six and a half point favorites do we bet milwaukee the day after they fire the coach see normally you would because you say oh they got the the bounce but i mean mm-hmm. this is a, this is an unprecedented thing well not unprecedented i guess but it's an unusual thing certainly where you're firing a coach who's done a whole lot of winning so i don't know if you get that that normal bounce that you would get so I, I'll stay away. I'll let you uh, let you take your shot if you want to, but I'm gonna I'm gonna stay away from the dead coach bounce. All right, the Suns are at the Mavericks. Phoenix a one and a half point favorite. Thunder at the Spurs. OKC laying six and a half, and the Hawks at the Warriors. Golden State laying seven and a half. It's the first game for the Warriors since the passing of their assistant coach. So getting back into action tonight after uh, a little you know disruption to their schedule. 
Busy night in college hoops yesterday. Number 16, Dayton, 66-54 road win at LaSalle. Uh, Deron Holmes, 22 points, 8 rebounds in the win. South Carolina, 79, Kentucky, 62. Knock off number 6, Kentucky, in their building. You get the court storming, all that good stuff. Uh, big win for South Carolina, who seems to just not lose at home. So uh, something to watch there. Texas continues to have Oklahoma's number. Dylan Disu, since he's come back, 19 points, 10 rebounds. He has just been an offensive force for Texas. They get a 75-60 win in Norman as four-and-a-half-point dogs. So a big win for a reeling Texas team. Number 12, Duke takes care of business against Louisville, 83-69 on the road. However, that 83-69, 14-point win, not enough to cover the 14-and-a-half-point mm. spread. Number 61, Wisconsin gets a road win. Uh, number 13, Wisconsin gets a road win, 61-59. to 59. Uh, Number 17, Creighton gets an 85-78 win over Xavier in a good back-and-forth game, a much-needed win for the Jays. Number two, Purdue absolutely spanks Michigan, 99-67 at Mackey. Zach Eady with a big game, but not even the the star as Braden Smith, 11.7 boards, 10 assists uh, for Purdue. And a good one, two, two top 25 teams in the Big 12. Number four, Houston heads on the road to Provo, and they get a 75-68 win over BYU. BYU was down 13 in the second half, came all the way back to tie it before Houston pulled away at the end. LJ Cryer led the way for Houston uh, with 23 points. Taking a look at the schedule for tonight, you've got system number system <laughs> plays. Number eight, Auburn at Alabama, unranked Alabama, a two and a half point favorite at home. System play number one. Uh, number 22, Florida Atlantic, a 12-and-a-half-point favorite at Rice. That's owl-on-owl owl crime, but not a system play. Uh, Illinois, a 3-and-a-half-point favorite on the road at Northwestern. Marquette, number 14 Marquette, a 17-and-a-half-point favorite at DePaul, who will be with a new head coach. Uh, bet that new coach bounce at your own peril. Uh, I think I will – I'll sit this one out. Uh, Kansas State – an eight-and-a-half-point road dog at Iowa State. Kansas State, a team who's 4-1 and one in the Big 12. I was hoping to fade them here, to be honest, because I do think some of their metrics say there's some real regression coming. But this is a, already a pretty damn healthy spread for Iowa State, who does have a great home floor. Uh, but I was hoping for this more inside of two possessions, so uh, eight-and-a-half will be a pass for me. Number 24, Colorado State, a plus three-and-a-half-point dog at Nevada. So there's your system second play number system two. play. And number 25, New Mexico, an eight-and-a-half-point road favorite at San Jose State. And just updating that system, uh, the two systems for tonight, if you are an unranked team and you are favored over a ranked opponent this year straight up, you are 13-11, ATS 10-14. Prior to the two straight-up losses, uh, what was it, on Saturday, uh, it had gone seven straight wins. So uh, the system seven and two in the last nine games. If you are a ranked versus ranked team, 
So that's what I like. If your rank is, uh, you know, less than your opponents, so like, or greater than your opponents, then you're seven and two, both straight up and ATS. So the more profitable system is when you have two ranked teams playing each other and the lower ranked team is favorite. But hey, if you combine those previous numbers, that's 20 and 13 straight up. So, you know, the overall system is profitable. In, in large part and again it was profitable teams. back to last season so this is something we've been tracking yep. now for a, a couple seasons now yeah last season 20 uh 33 and 23 last year 2021 was 26 13 and 2 so it, this has been you know we're, we're tracking it for the past couple of years and it's been profitable uh year in and year out on the ice last night, the Senators a 4-1 win over the Canadiens. The Stars a 5-4 win over the Red Wings. The Lightning defeat the Flyers 6-3. Nikita Kucherov had three goals. Um, the Flyers announcing last night that goaltender Carter Hart is taking a leave of absence from the team for personal reasons. I mean, Hart's had a pretty decent season. Uh, he's coming off a terrible game, but he, he's had a pretty decent season. The Flyers are 25-17-6 on the year, but their top goaltender, Carter Hart, going to be out for who knows how long uh, with uh, personal reasons. They haven't released any other information about why he is taking a leave from the team. The Golden Knights in a bad situation, playing on the second of a back-to-back after overtime. They, they defeat the Islanders 3-2. to two. Uh, good uh, good performance there from VGK. The Wild, the 5-3 win over the Capitals. Blues beat the Flames 4-3. The Oilers make it 14 straight wins with a 4-1 win over the Blue Jackets. They are three wins shy of the all-time record of 17 consecutive wins, the most wins in a regular season uh, for an NHL team. Let's take a look at their next couple of games to see when this streak could end or continue. Who knows? They are home. Uh, tomorrow night against Chicago. I like their chances to make it 15 in a row. Then they are home to Nashville on Saturday where they'll be favored again to make it 16 in a row. And then if they win that next Tuesday here in Vegas against the defending Stanley Cup champion Golden Knights will be the game where the Oilers look to tie the all-time record of 17 straight wins. But hey, one win at a time. It's 14 straight wins now for Edmonton. Elsewhere, the Ducks, a 4-2 win over the Sabres. And the Sharks, for the first time all season, have won three straight games as they beat the Rangers in overtime 3-2. This was, I mean, I had a best bet on the Rangers laying a goal and a half. Rangers were up 2-0 after two periods, AJ. And it looked like the most... Um, the most lopsided game where I think the reason why the Rangers lost is because the game felt like they were up much more than just two, nothing like they were just dominating the game. It looked like the sharks had no interest in playing this game. And then all of a sudden a bad turnover inside the Rangers goal leads to a really fluky, easy goal uh, for the sharks. You know, when you're watching hockey and like the goaltender goes behind his own net to play the puck, you've seen that a bunch of times. Well, Igor Shesterkin goes behind his own net to play the puck, and he passes it back to his teammate, and there's a Sharks player right there just taps it in the net. <laughs> so oh, Igor. that was the first goal, and that uh, that sparked the Sharks because they scored about a minute later to tie the game, and for the rest of the third period, I mean, San Jose looked like a completely different team. I mean, they played great, and then in overtime, uh, Tomas Hurdle 
with the game winner. So the Sharks have won three straight games. Congratulations. We'll see if they can make it four straight uh, later on this week. Here's what's on your schedule for tonight. The Jets are at the Maple Leafs. Toronto's minus 135. The Coyotes at the Panthers. Florida minus 215. Hurricanes are at the Bruins. Boston's minus 140. The Capitals at the Avalanche. Colorado minus 240. Blues visit the Canucks. Vancouver's minus 215. Blackhawks are at the Kraken. Seattle minus 280. Uh, boy, when uh, TNT scheduled this game, I think they were hoping to have Connor Bedard. And without him, it's kind I'm of. I'm guessing uh, so. Yeah, not much of a yeah, game. They probably say, "Man, can we get that? Uh, can we get that Canucks Blues game instead? Is it too late?" <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, they have the Hurricanes and Bruins as the first game of the doubleheader, so uh, they'll be happy after watching that first game and then the late game. You know, I guess people will tune out. Can we get Jets (laughs) Maple Leafs? Like, give us something. Yes. And the Sabres visit the Kings, uh, your nightcap, L.A., minus 190. Before we get out of here, we have to uh, acknowledge and congratulate the three new members to the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame. Former Tennessee quarterback prior to Peyton Manning, Todd Helton. Yeah, not, that, that was making the rounds on social media uh, yesterday. Todd Helton, uh, the Rockies legend going into the Hall of Fame alongside Rangers legend Adrian Beltre and Joe Maurer from the Minnesota Twins. Congratulations. Head on over to pregame.com where we have some new promo codes for you to save money. New codes, better deals, new deals, always giving out deals. Here's what we're offering to you guys at pregame.com. 20% off your purchase. Any purchase you want to make, take 20% off. Now, get the most bang for your buck, I say, and go with like an all-access package. Go with the season-long subscription. Get a seven-day all-access, 30-day all-access, weekend or all-access, whatever you want. Get every pick from your favorite pregame pro. Take 20% off. Use our promo code BAGEL20. BAGEL20 gets you 20% off at pregame.com. For AJ Hoffman, I'm Scott Setzer. We are straight out of Vegas. Oh, yeah.